what they did to General Michael Flynn is so much worse than what you've heard. And we're going to take a deep dive on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and the Deep State and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 356 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Sunday, March 5th, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States of America is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron, and we deeply appreciate all of our patrons. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Okay, I interviewed General Mike Flynn on episode 342. Mike Flynn, as you've never heard him before. And on that interview... On that podcast, I asked him, why do you believe then-FBI Director James Comey and possibly other stakeholders in the intel community saw you as such a threat that they felt compelled to set you up to try to get you out of office as soon as you began serving President Trump? Now, he had a good answer but it's not nearly the complete answer. I've got the rest of it for you today, and it is comprehensive. Our friend Tracy Beans, who has the news website UncoverDC.com, has done a deep dive thread over on Twitter today, basically looking into General Flynn's federal lawsuit against the United States government, and it is comprehensive and it is shocking. The great Kanakoa, whose material I've read to you off of his substack, says this about it. Obama's FBI framed General Flynn because they knew he would be able to take apart their Russian collusion hoax. Then they framed Donald Trump as a Russian agent. All right, let's get right into it, shall we? Tracy Beans, in her first tweet, links to the complete 
lawsuit, Flynn versus United States. And she says, General Michael Flynn retired, filed a lawsuit against the United States for malicious prosecution and abuse of process. If you never fully understood what happened or didn't know, this threat is for you. This story is one of, if not the, most important stories of our time. There are so many people out there who are unaware of the depravity that occurred with this case. There are more still who are completely uninformed. People think that General Flynn went to jail. He didn't. People think that because he initially pled guilty, he was guilty. People use things, a corrupt judge said, and later corrected, to call Flynn a traitor. These people don't know anything about what actually happened. This case was a travesty of justice. The FBI and DOJ turned over every stone and tried to get water from them, and they came up empty. This thread will be the telling of the depravity. You really must pay attention because after it is done, you won't have so many questions anymore, and everything in this thread is a provable fact. Before we move forward and in full disclosure, Tracy Bean says, I want to let everyone know that I sit on the board at americasfuture.net where General Flynn is the chairman. She says, we're doing some amazing work. Please take a moment to check it out. And she links to americasfuture.net. Okay, that aside, very few people did more work on the case of General Flynn than our corner of Twitter. I dedicated countless hours to reporting on this case. I didn't meet General Flynn in person until after his case had already been finally dismissed. That having been said, grab a cup of coffee and settle in because we're about to dissect this filing from the Middle District of Florida. And she has a screenshot of the title page, United States District Court, Middle District of Florida, Tampa Division, Michael T. Flynn, an individual plaintiff versus United States of America, 950 Pennsylvania Avenue, Northwest, Washington, D.C., defendant. And she begins by saying, We are starting at the end. People who attack Flynn don't come close to understanding the case and don't bother to try. Understand that the DOJ, after discovering what the FBI had really done, dropped the case that was pending against General Flynn. Here's the screenshot. On May 7, 2020, the United States Department of Justice moved to dismiss the criminal information that had been filed on November 30, 2017, against Plaintiff Lieutenant General Michael T. Flynn, U.S. Army retired, charging him with one count of willfully and knowingly making false, fictitious, and fraudulent statements in a matter within the jurisdiction of the executive branch of the government of the United States. In this motion, the DOJ admitted, through Timothy Shea, then United States Attorney for the District of Columbia, that the government is not persuaded that the January 24, 2017 interview 
was conducted with a legitimate investigative basis and therefore does not believe Mr. Flynn's statements were material, even if untrue. Moreover, we do not believe that the government can prove either the relevant false statements or their materiality beyond a reasonable doubt. In other words, we don't think he lied about anything, but even if he did, the interview should never have happened in the first place. And there's nothing illegal about him misremembering something in an interview that never should have happened in the first place. So Tracy Bean says, remember General Flynn was charged with a 1001 violation. This is one of the weakest and most ridiculous charges they have at their disposal because it is often used for purposes other than intended. If you have followed along, you know George Papadopoulos was also charged with this. You also know that John Durham used it as well. Points to anyone who can tell me which people got ridiculous 1001 violations. Well, let's see. There was Martha Stewart. There was Scooter Libby. It's what the feds do when they want to charge you criminally when they think they might have a case that you got some of your facts confused in an interview even though there's no underlying crime. That's what a 1001 violation is. Tracy Beans continues, The DOJ admitted that it should never have brought the charges against Flynn because the interview that formed the basis for the charges should never have happened. Even though it did, we'll get to the circumstances surrounding this in a moment, there wasn't a proper basis. He didn't lie. The agents who conducted the interview even wrote down that he didn't lie. Then they charged him with lying. Another screenshot from the lawsuit here. The DOJ therefore admitted that they should never have brought this prosecution against General Flynn because the interview that formed the basis of the criminal information should never have happened. And even though it did happen, it was not a proper basis for the felony charge. Next, Tracy Beans says, Most cases like this make some guesses. They guess that there was malicious intent or something was going on behind the scenes. In this case, we have their own documents that prove it. There is no guessing this absolutely happened. Here's another screenshot from the lawsuit. A particular relevance, the DOJ, FBI, and Office of the Special Counsel personnel knew or should have known of the lack of basis for the investigation, interview, and charge before the criminal, invest- before the criminal information was ever filed. Therefore, agents and agencies of the United States of America utilized their official positions and offices to initiate a baseless investigation, keep that investigation open, undertake illegitimate investigative steps, and bring unjustified criminal charges to maliciously prosecute General Flynn. Then Tracy Beans says, Note, for the hardcore of us out there, not everything is included in this complaint. There will be things that we know happened that were omitted and you will feel were important. As always, 
and attorneys can chime in here. You don't want your complaint to be so voluminous as to be ineffective. So save that stuff for now. Next, she says they targeted General Flynn for several reasons, but these are a mere two. He was associated with Trump, and he became the national security advisor, and they really couldn't have that for reasons we will explain shortly. Another screenshot from the lawsuit. Defendant improperly and politically targeted General Flynn because of his lawful association with the 2016 presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump and his position as national security advisor in the Trump administration. General Flynn is entitled to relief for defendants unjustified and illegal actions, including but not limited to malicious prosecution and abuse of process. Tracy Beans says, here is where the government is going to have an issue because the documents are already available before discovery. That means they can't argue against this without discrediting themselves. This is a very rare case where the plaintiff already has a mountain of evidence before the case begins. Another screenshot from the lawsuit. The official misconduct occurred in connection with FBI investigations Crossfire Hurricane and Crossfire Razor, both fraught with egregious legal and ethical misconduct admitted by DOJ, lacked investigative predicate, and part and parcel to the unfounded criminal information brought against General Flynn by the special counsel's office on behalf of the DOJ. Next, she says, as the trolls come to pile on this thread with pictures of Flynn sitting with Putin, that will be addressed, and boy, will their heads spin. Remember that for almost five years, everyone in the establishment media and the corrupt uniparty lied to you about Russia and the Trump campaign. Everything they said was a lie. Why haven't they lost their Pulitzers? Donald Trump has gone after the Pulitzer board legally. High-ranking members of the FBI knew what the FBI and DOJ were doing was wrong. Bill Priestap, who was assistant deputy director, wrote in his notes the day Comey sent CI agents to interview Flynn. Quote, is the goal to get to the truth or to get Flynn to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired? Unquote. Then he wrote, quote, protect our institution by not playing games, unquote. Really? And she's got the screenshot of that quote in the lawsuit. Next, she says, understand we have the above handwritten notes. There is no question that this is what Bill Priestap wrote. There is no question that they knew it was wrong to entrap General Flynn. There is no question that Comey knew exactly what he was doing during the ambush interview. We have the documents. They go through a list of the wrongdoers in the government, 
Included are the DOJ, the FBI, the Special Counsel's Office, Robert Mueller, the Executive Office of the President, and more, whom they include more details about. Comey verified, under penalty of perjury, two false FISA warrant affidavits. He participated in and approved the initiation and continuation of the investigation into General Flynn and the decision to send agents to interview him without notice to the White House counsel and assisted in the decision to prosecute him without proper basis or probable cause to do so. And she's got the screenshot from the lawsuit with all of that. Then she says, Andrew McCabe served as deputy director of the FBI from February 2016 through January 2018. He was an original and primary participant in the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, otherwise known as Spygate. He was the lead signatory on the final FISA renewal in June of 2017 and was a key participant in the investigation and the decision to interview Mike Flynn. Andrew McCabe is also a known liar and leaker. There could be a book written about it all. I may have written enough to fill one already. Some light reading for you. And you may also want to check out the next post for some truly stunning info that I broke once this report was released. So now she links to the U.S. Department of Justice Office of the Inspector General report from February 2018 entitled Redacted, a report of investigation of certain allegations relating to former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. That's a 39-page report. And then she says here, take a look through this. And she links to a thread she did on April 15, 2018. So we're going to take a look at that. She says, OIG bombshell, that means Office of Inspector General, hidden within the OIG report on McCabe's leak to Barrett of the Wall Street Journal is an astronomically damning correlation between Loretta Lynch, the New York field office of the FBI, Andrew McCabe, and the NYPD. Please share. She says McCabe, amongst other atrocities, sits on this information for an entire month before there begins to be unrest within the local office and the force. The agents on staff and the NYPD appear to get very restless about what was on the computer and the fact it is being concealed. On October 24, 2016, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, swaps out the federal investigative team looking into the officers responsible for the Eric Garner case. Remember Eric Garner? He was the large black gentleman that police took down while he was trying to sell Lucy's, loose cigarettes on a sidewalk in New York City, which was against the law there. And uh, as a result of... That interaction, that interaction, he died. Anyway, he says, Loretta Lynch swaps out the original team investigating the Eric Garner case with a new team. 
And she links to an ABC News article, What the Justice Department Review Means for the Eric Garner Case. Eric Garner, who died on July 17, 2014, after being placed in a chokehold. She said, this is telling because as ABC News hints, it appears they are pushing more aggressively for an indictment and conviction of the officers involved. A Staten Island grand jury failed to indict in the case. It was passed on to the Justice Department. Now in the OIG report on Andy McCabe's leaks to the Wall Street Journal, it states that on October 26, 2016, McCabe and the New York ADIC of the FBI, Assistant Director of the Intel Community of the FBI, participate in a hastily convened conference call with Loretta Lynch, who delivers the same message about leaks, with a focus on leaks in the Eric Garner case. Huh, why? It is very interesting that Loretta Lynch would be on this call. It's very interesting. They're admonishing the New York FBI for leaks, especially if they were supposed to be about the Wall Street Journal article. As later noted in the report, the New York agents wouldn't have known the information that Andy McCabe leaks. The same day as that phone call, October 26, 2016, Rudy Giuliani is on all of the mainstream media, floating some big surprises in the coming days. So, she says, watch this clip. Well, okay. I guess we ought to watch the clip then. And others in the Trump are making the argument, and others in the Trump camp are making the argument, that the polls are all wrong. Uh, that people are going to be shocked that these pollsters, I would imagine, are going to be out of business if they're all wrong. Well, they have been before. Uh, come, no, come November 9th. I, uh, what are you basing that on? Okay. I sat, I sat here at Fox, and then I went over to NBC and CBS in 2008, and none other than some of your bosses told me the election was over and the Fox poll showed that Kerry was going to be the president. I was on NBC with... Pretty sure he means 2004. With, uh, with Senator Kennedy and Tom Brokaw and Senator Kennedy were picking the Kerry cabinet. It was over. The exit polls had him winning. They had him winning Pennsylvania by 19 and this one by... And then Ohio one. happened. And then Ohio happened. I, I'm sorry. I don't believe in polls. I, every election I ever won, I outperformed the polls. Uh, I, even once I lost, I was down by 12, I lost by 3. I was down by 4, I won by 4. I was ahead by 12. I won by 18. So I've always overperformed the polls. They've never been accurate in, in my case. All right. So what, what about ground game? Because, you know, that, that's the big argument State. for Hillary Clinton. This is states. I understand. But, you know, Florida, Ohio, Iowa, Nevada, Arizona, um, Pennsylvania, looks like it's going for her. But then he's got to have either New Hampshire, Colorado, or Wisconsin. Well, exposure there. So he spent, uh, the reason that Florida flipped, and he's now three points ahead, is he spent three or four days there. He got his message out there. Uh, Are there got enough days d- left in this calendar, though, well, to get to all those days there's enough time left, that? and then he's got a couple of surrogates like me, and we'll separate out. I'm going to spend the weekend in New Hampshire. I'm, I'm going to actually go from Dallas, where I have to give a speech, to, to uh, uh, University of North Texas. Why Texas is on the bubble? Oh, I just talked to one of my good friends in Texas who says that's the biggest joke in the world. <laughs> they, they can't find... <laughs> They can't find a Hillary supporter in Texas or somebody who's willing to be a Hillary supporter in Texas. But I'm going to be in Texas uh, 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 tomorrow. Then I'm going to go to uh, Nevada, Colorado, and come back through New Hampshire. And I'll do my own campaigning. So 
it won't be the 10,000 that he gets, but maybe I can get two or 3,000. Listen, call us from the road, because uh, we would love to hear from you. And, how uh, things and are, then I think he's got a surprise or two that you're going to hear about in the next two days. Right. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm talking about some pretty big surprise. Oh, yeah, I heard you say that this morning. What do you mean? You'll see. Stay tuned. Rudy Giuliani, you're lucky because we got to go. I'm out of time. Otherwise, I keep pressing you. We're not going to go down. And we're certainly not going to stop fighting. We've got a couple things up our sleeve that should turn this around. In a way that even, that even even the liberal pollsters will get to see it. Rudy Giuliani. Okay, so that's Rudy Giuliani, Martha McCallum, Fox News Channel, 13 days before Election Day of 2016. Tracy Beans continues. So to recap, Andy McCabe and Loretta Lynch are admonishing the New York field office of the FBI about leaks they didn't make while talking about Eric Garner? Two days after this, Jim Comey sends the letter to Congress announcing they are reopening the Hillary Clinton email investigation. On November 1st, 2016, Andy McCabe recuses himself from any investigations having to do with Hillary Clinton. And then she says, here's where it gets very interesting. Eric Prince a name you should know, appears in an interview on Breitbart News where he drops some major bombshells about what was found on Anthony Weiner's laptop. He states in the interview that the J.D. was using Eric Garner as leverage. And she's got the screenshot. Eric Prince, NYPD, ready to make arrest in Anthony Weiner case. Here's what it says. Blackwater founder and former Navy SEAL Eric Prince told Breitbart News Daily on Sirius XM that according to one of his well-placed sources in the New York Police Department, the NYPD wanted to do a press conference announcing the warrants and the additional arrests they were making in the Anthony Weiner investigation, but received huge pushback from the Justice Department. Prince began by saying he had no problem believing reports that the FBI was highly confident multiple foreign agencies backed or multiple foreign agencies hacked Hillary Clinton's private email server. Prince claimed because of Wienergate and the sexting scandal, the NYPD started investigating it through a subpoena, through a warrant. They searched his laptop and sure enough, found those six 150,000 emails. They found way more stuff than just more information pertaining to the inappropriate sexting the guy was doing. They found State Department emails. They found a lot of other really damning, really damning criminal information, including money laundering, including the fact that Hillary went to this sex island with convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Bill Clinton went there more than 20 times. Hillary Clinton went there at least six times. The amount of garbage that they found in these emails of criminal activity by Hillary, by her immediate circle, and even by other Democrat members of Congress was so disgusting they gave it to the FBI and they said, we're going to go public with this if you don't reopen the investigation and you don't do the right thing with timely Indictments. Eric Prince continued. I believe, I know, 
And this is from a very well-placed source of mine at One Police Plaza in New York. The NYPD wanted to do a press conference announcing the warrants and the additional arrests they were making in this investigation, and they've gotten huge pushback to the point of coercion from the Justice Department with the Justice Department threatening to charge someone that had been unrelated in the accidental heart attack death of Eric Garner almost two years ago. That's the level of pushback the Obama Justice Department is doing against actually seeking justice in the email and other related criminal matters. There's five different parts of the FBI conducting investigations into these things with constant downdrafts from the Obama Justice Department. So in the, I hope, unlikely and very unfortunate event that Hillary Clinton is elected president, we will have a constitutional crisis that we have not seen, I believe, since 1860. So that is from the screenshot Tracy Beans has in her thread from April 15th, 2018, of the Breitbart News article about Eric Prince. And she links to it. She says, this is major. Why? Because now we have both the report from the Inspector General of DOJ confirming they spoke with FBI in New York about the Eric Garner case, and we have Eric Prince confirming they were threatened with the case. She says, you may remember the name Preet Barara. So all of this makes it very clear that Prince was getting good information from his sources in the NYPD because in this interview with Breitbart, he mentions they're using Eric Garner to threaten the department. Now, if you're like me, you might be thinking, uh, Preet Bharara, yeah, that sounds familiar. Who was he? Well, he was the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York from 2009 to 2017. So that's why he gets thrown into the mix. Tracy Beans continues from her thread from 2018, and we'll get back to the new thread that came out today about Michael Flynn, but this is important for context. She says, This call was relegated to conspiracy land because it spoke of Epstein Island, and the mainstream media will not touch that with a 10-foot pole. The Inspector General report confirms that Eric Prince was, in fact, telling the truth. In essence, it appears that the Attorney General of the United States of America, using the Justice Department to threaten the FBI and NYPD into sitting on evidence of disgusting criminality to protect Hillary Clinton at all. This is a striking abuse of power, and it truly makes me sick. Raise awareness. And then she says, oh, it's continued a year later, August 19th, 2019. She says more. The DOJ under William Barr made the final decision not to prosecute Pantaleo earlier this month. All right. All right. So Pantaleo, I believe he was one of the officers in the Eric Garner case, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. 
Eric Garner, who had a heart attack and died when the police were trying to take him down for selling loose cigarettes in New York City. And she links to a CNN article on Barr sides against civil rights officials and declining to bring charges against NY uh, New York police officer. Tracy Beans says they stated the decision announced Tuesday means that Officer Pantaleo will not face any criminal charges related to Eric Garner's death. Federal investigators have been examining the circumstances of Garner's death since 2014 after a grand jury in New York declined to indict the Staten Island officer. City of New York settled with Garner's estate for $5.9 million in 2015. And then she has an update from over a year later, September 20th, 2020. Update. In light of the new book coming out by the agent who found the Clinton emails on the Anthony Weiner laptop, she says, I'm sharing this thread again. I've had it pinned for two years for a reason. Talk about the thread we've been going through. She says, Harold Finch threaded about this in his room on Telegram. And she links to the article from the Washington Examiner entitled October Surprise, New Details Emerge About FBI Delay on Wiener Laptop in 2016. And this was an article by Jerry Dunleavy, Justice Department reporter, Washington Examiner from September 19, 2020. She says the article written by Devlin Barrett, who arguably caused a lot of problems for Andy McCabe when he printed an article about the Clinton investigation based on leaks McCabe later lied about leaking, talks about how this mistake by the FBI led to Trump winning in 2016. But as you will see in my thread, there were much more nefarious things going on. Loretta Lynch got involved to use the judiciary as a threat mechanism against the New York field office of the FBI and the NYPD to get them both to hush up about the horrors they found on that Anthony Weiner laptop. They tried to bury it, but Agent Robertson went around the FBI to the U.S. attorneys in his jurisdiction. They told him to wipe his computer. They didn't care about what he had found. McCabe and Lynch got on the phone and berated the New York field office of the FBI for leaks that Andy McCabe was responsible for. Imagine your superior yelling at you with the Attorney General of the U.S. for something he did. All right? So here, here's a screenshot from Harold Finch over on Telegram. He says, That laptop, which was seized from Anthony Weiner, a MacBook Pro, contained images and data so disturbing, it reduced hardened, experienced, career, NYPD detectives and leadership to sobbing men, sickened, horrified, and haunted by what they saw. I want you to stop. Pause for a second and ask yourself out loud. What type of crimes against children could be so horrifying to reduce men who had seen the worst of the worst and still be shocked and traumatized simply by seeing the evidence. The NYPD knew 
how explosive this was, trusted the FBI to do what needed to be done, and turned the laptop over to the FBI. Word was passed to the New York field office and the Washington field office, do what needs to be done or we'll go public. Tracy Beans says Eric Prince had contacts within the NYPD. He went on Breitbart Radio just before the election and told the host that the NYPD had been threatened by Maine Justice. It was relegated to conspiracy land by the same people who brought you the Russia conspiracy theory. Then, two years later, we get confirmation of that call in an inspector general's report. Andy McCabe and Loretta Lynch call the New York field office, and McCabe even remarks to the inspector general that he's never heard Loretta Lynch so angry. Remember the scribbles on the notepad later released in the mid-year exam report on the Clinton email investigation? And at this point, she links to the Epic Times article from June 19th, 2018 by Jasper Fackert entitled Top FBI Official Made Crimes Against Children Note in Connection to Wiener's Devices. Oh, my goodness. It says the former assistant director of the FBI's counterintelligence division, Randy Coleman, wrote a note saying crimes against children in connection to the digital devices A disgraced former congressman, Anthony Weiner. Coleman's notes, which were obtained by the Department of Justice Inspector General, were taken October 4th, 2016, just over a week earlier on September 26th. The FBI obtained a search warrant for Weiner's iPhone, iPad, and laptop computer related to crimes of, quote, transmitting obscene material to a minor, sexual exploitation of children, and activities related to child pornography, unquote. Weiner was charged with, and pleaded guilty to, transferring obscene material to a 15-year-old girl. He was not charged with possession of child pornography or other related charges, however. In his notes, as published in a report by the Justice Department's Inspector General, Coleman wrote, one, Anthony Weiner, two, unrelated, three, Weiner, Texting 15-year-old, sexually explicit, September 26, federal SW, iPhone, iPad, laptop, initial analysis of laptop, thousands of emails, Hillary Clinton and Foundation, crimes against children. After obtaining Wiener's devices, the agent processing their contents discovered within hours over 300,000 emails, many of them involving communications between Wiener's wife, Huma Abedin, and Hillary Clinton. The findings were deemed relevant to the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton sending classified information using a private email server. From Coleman's notes, the exact context of the crime against children is unclear, as well as the mention of the Clinton Foundation. Coleman did not reply to an emailed request for comment from the Epic Times. Coleman left the FBI December 2016, now works in the private sector. Coleman told the inspector general that the notes, quote, likely represent information he was briefed on first thing in the morning by his subordinates in the criminal investigative division, unquote, and that he might, quote, have passed this information to other FBI executives after the morning briefing with the director, unquote. The agenda of then-FBI Director James Comey on October 4th 
showed that he had a meeting scheduled with Coleman from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. So, top FBI official made crimes against children note in connection to Wiener's devices. And Tracy Beans continues. So we got two separate things here. My pinned thread came from the 63-page Spectre General report about McCabe leaking to Barrett of the Wall Street Journal. Then later, we get the IG report into the Clinton email investigation and learn there was a note, crimes against children. Now, go back to the Eric Prince interview, which can be found in my pinned thread. Twice broke this thread apart. Everything Prince said back in 2016 can be corroborated in IG reports. That interview wasn't conspiracy. It was the truth. So why is this guy talking now? To the same reporter who takes leaks from high-level FBI officials designed to propagandize the public. Is something going to drop they need to get in front of? Again, this is September 20th, 2020. She says, I implore you to read the thread from Finch in the library with a link above, and also please spend a few minutes in the thread above I pinned. It's laid out in a deniable fashion, and it's all true because we use actual journalism. Stay tuned. Methinks it's going to get bumpy. And then she says, where is the Anthony Weiner laptop? As an aside, I also uncovered that right around this time, Chelsea Manning filed court documents alleging that illegal spying Manning had been a victim of was stopped because higher-ups said they had begun surveillance on Huma Abedin. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So let's go back to where we were with Tracy Beans. There was a tweet that was deleted in this thread, and she says, additionally, I'm aware that Twitter has censored tweet number two in this thread. Here it is. It says, on September 28, 2016, Andy McCabe is made aware of the information they found regarding Hillary Clinton on Anthony Weiner's laptop in an unrelated sexting case they are investigating. Okay, back to today's thread. She says, Peter Strzok was a career agent until August 2018 and was the Deputy Assistant Director of Counterintelligence. He supervised the Flynn investigation and was involved in the decision to start and continue it and initiate the prosecution. He also likes to let people he is sleeping with edit his 302s. Great, dude. Also included are Lisa Page, speaking of which, people he's sleeping with. Joe Pientka, the agent who interviewed Mike Flynn with Peter Strzok and a whole bunch more. Mueller and Brandon Van Grack, the U.S. attorney who oversaw the case. He says there won't be a successful jurisdiction argument. U.S. government will try. But I don't foresee that succeeding. The plaintiff lives in this judicial district, and the entire government is being sued. Well, good. There's a lot more, a lot more in this lawsuit that General Mike Flynn retired, has filed against the federal government for the stuff they did to him, and we're just scratching the surface more coming up momentarily if you try to buy a car recently you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for people i know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live 
That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom. To buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to, you can buy online and they'll drive it to you, no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to Red River Auto, pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online if you have any questions. One of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com. You will be glad you did. It is always a privilege to share with you the best-kept secret in American health care. Let me tell you all about it. First of all, are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, perhaps? Fibromyalgia? eczema, psoriasis, even migraines. The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you, even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it has never come back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines. Do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for free consultation. They've helped me, they've helped my wife, and they've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they might be able to help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. If you're living outside central Arkansas, and you're thinking, man, I need to check into this. You're right, you do. Go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. As you probably heard by now, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everybody get the best sleep of your life. And now he's delighted to introduce the new MyPillow 2.0. It has brand-new temperature-regulating technology, that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. My Pillow 2.0 has a new fabric which dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. The new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature through the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night sleep. My Pillow 2.0 helps in so many ways. Did you know? Your core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 
is developed to provide a cool surface and engineered for comfort. And because it's a fiber, not a finish, it will last the life of the fabric. My Pillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels. It's machine washable and dryable. It's got a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee, and of course, it's made in the USA. And right now is an introductory offer for my listeners. You can get a two-for-one deal on my pillow 2.0 just by using promo code DWS. You can also get the two-for-one deal on these wonderful Giza Dreams sheets. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. The Giza Dreams sheets, also available two-for-one just by using promo code DWS. And I tell you what, in this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. MyPillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer, all for as low as $29.98. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS. Get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding, including MyPillow 2.0 and the MyPillow Giza Dreams sheets. Right now, even as we speak, I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. Right now, save up to $90 on My Slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins. Marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Now, remember... That promo code, DWS, does not stand for washed-up Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, no, no. It stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com and MyStore.com, where Mike sells all kinds of stuff, quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices. So please order now. Just use promo code DWS. All right. Now, we continue with a deep dive into General Mike Flynn's landmark lawsuit against the federal government and the great Tracy Beans has laid the whole thing out for us. She says, so here's some on General Flynn's background, but if you want a really better picture of what a hero he is, Read some of the letters written and submitted to the judge back in the original case. They are found at the end of this filing. Everyone should take the time to read these. This is fascinating. Here's an example of what she's talking about. So this is from John V. Donovan, Commander, Colonel, Operations Group, JRTC, Fort Polk, Louisiana, he says, senior intelligence officer, senior intelligence observer, pardon me, slash controller, responsible for coaching, teaching, and mentoring members of the intelligence battlefield operation system of the Army's Light Airborne Air Assault Ranger and Special Ops Forces during 10 annual force-on-force joint readiness training center rotations. I mean, he goes through all the stuff that he has done. And he says, Mike Flynn is the best of the best and the most complete intelligence officer I have known. Tremendous leader, trainer, and mentor. 
He set the pace for senior observer controllers. He wrote, produced, and directed a videotape on how to integrate intelligence into the decision-making process. This first-class product was distributed to the entire Army. He created a handbook on how to employ the military intelligence company into brigade task force level operations. Mike established the right seat program for client units that offered opportunities to observe and learn from cadre at JRTC, which increased tactical intelligence competencies. This program had an immediate direct impact on trend reversal, particularly in intelligence pattern analysis for low-intensity conflict. Constantly sharing his experiences, Mike moderated professional development seminars at the intelligence school and participated in presenting training issues at four infantry and three military intelligence pre-command courses. In sum, Lieutenant Colonel Flynn made enormous headway in changing the attitude of how war fighters apply the intelligence battlefield operating system to the military decision-making process. And there are a number of commendations. Let me just give you one more. This is from... uh, William E. Ward, 82nd Airborne Division, Assistant Division Commander Support, and also Joseph K. Kellogg, 82nd Airborne Division, uh, Division Commander. And they say, Impressive does not come close to describing this magnificent battalion commander. Lieutenant Colonel Mike Flynn is the best intelligence officer I have observed and is commanding his battalion in an outstanding fashion. His focus on team leader responsibility and training has thoroughly enhanced the battalion's ability to support the infantry brigade task forces. A truly concerned and natural leader, Mike's soldier and family care programs have made a believer out of his troopers. From having one of the best language training programs in FORSCOM, to fielding direct and general support teams in support of his warfighters, Lieutenant Colonel Flynn is demonstrating his complete mastery of intelligence operations. Due to his vast technical and tactical expertise, Mike's programs to integrate training exercises with the infantry brigades and conduct and conduct battalion tokexes to improve the command and operational perspective to LRS operations. Lieutenant Colonel Flynn has continued improving the 82nd LRSD, ensuring they remain trained and ready to support any contingency mission, intelligence drives maneuver, and the division has a master operator, Mike Flynn. He is the best MI battalion commander in the Corps. And there are many more letters of commendation there for General Flynn. Tracy Beans continues... General Flynn served as DIA director, the Defense Intelligence Agency, until he stepped down in August of 2014 and then returned from the Army on September 30th, 2014. Admiral Rogers, director of the NSA, praised General Flynn as the best intelligence officer of the past 20 years. He then started a successful consulting business with his son, Michael. 
says, there is a really touching video of Rogers speaking at Flynn's retirement, but I can't locate it. If anyone can, post in the replies. All right, well, now you've got me curious. Now let's see if anybody did post in the replies. i got to scroll way down to find out if anybody did. All right, here it is. Now, when you talk about Mike Flynn, you talk about a guy who is dedicated to service, as I said, and who's always out there about being in front. The thing I always respected the most about Mike is he's not about what was. He is always about what will be, what should be, what must be. And he has dedicated his professional life to that idea. And I have watched it firsthand in my career. I have benefited from it firsthand in my career. Um, one of the reasons why he and I always thought we clicked was we had amazing similar backgrounds. In your career, I have always found, whether it's in your service or if you spend a lot of time in the joint community, you will run across individuals and you will say to yourself, that guy is amazing. And early on when I met Mike, I thought to myself, that guy is amazing. We were both commissioned in 1981 from NROTC. From ROTC, excuse me, I don't want to take away from my army friend. <laughs> um, neither of us went to service academies. We both were ROTC guys. In 1983, we both found ourselves in a little island in the Caribbean. Mike is a member of the 82nd Airborne. Myself is a uh, surface warfare officer on the USS Karen. On that ship, I was the gunfire liaison officer firing combat naval gunfire support and supported members of the 82nd and the 22nd Muon Grenada. I had no clue that one day, one of those guys maybe I was doing a fire support mission for um, was going to play such a big role in my life, and I would have the benefit and the true advantage of getting to know him as an individual. Um, Mike has been a JSOC J2. He has been a combatant commander J2. He has been forward on the ground in Afghanistan for years in multiple positions. He has come back and done senior jobs at the DNI organization, as you heard, and the Joint Staff J2, and as um, the director of an agency. Again, we were both COCOM J2s. We were both JCS J2s. We both ended up becoming agency heads. Um, and every time, in every one of those positions, I'll only speak for me, I was always glad to think to myself, I'm getting to do this with Mike Flynn. And in fact, I want to very publicly thank Mike Flynn, because I wouldn't be where I am today if he hadn't pushed um, to help me along in my career. I found myself, as we all do at points in our career, I'm the PACOM J2. I'm loving life in Honolulu. And General McChrystal gets the call to go to Afghanistan, and the first thing he says is, Flynn, you're leaving that cush job as the JCS J2, and you're going with me. Um, so now the challenge is, so they need a new JCS J2. And Flynn calls me in Honolulu and says, hey, Rogers, you need to go do this. And I'm going, we're in two ground wars. I'm a Navy guy. And I'm not really even an intel officer in the Navy. I'm a cryptologist. And Mike says, no, you're the guy who needs to go do this. And then he goes to Admiral Mullen, the then chairman. And he says, hey, Rogers is the guy you ought to hire. There is no doubt in my mind that I got that job because of Mike Flynn, because of the example that he set, because of the strategic thought, and because he is always about the men and women around him. It is never about him. It is always about the men and women that he partners with, that he serves with, that he leads. That is an incredibly 
powerful idea. And we have watched it for a 33-year career. Um, and I've had the, the real pleasure of teaming with him, both when he was forward in Afghanistan and now was two agency heads. Um, and Mike, on behalf of your intelligence community teammates, I just want to say thanks. There are very few of us who can say that we have made a difference that spans an entire organization. There are even fewer who can say that we have made a, dis a difference that spans an entire profession or discipline. And for intelligence, Mike has done just that. Today, as we would say in the Navy, we watch pass over the side, probably the most visible intelligence professional that we have generated within this department in the last 10 or 20 years. And that's not by chance. It's because Mike was always willing to be out in front, to take the hard jobs, to drive change, and remind all of us that it's not about us, it's about the mission. And then it's about the men and women who make that mission execution possible. So, Mike, we all want to say thank you for a great job. We want to thank you for making a great, great difference. Lori, we wish you only the best. We know that a lot of opportunities ahead of you. I can't wait to see where the journey is going to take you. I don't think we've heard the last of the Flynns. Um, I certainly know if the rest of the family has anything to do with it, we're not going to hear the last of the Flynns. And again, Helen, we just want to say thanks. Um, they'll be joining you soon, getting back up to Rhode Island. Chance to re-plug in with the family. But on behalf of the men and women of the Defense Intelligence Agency, on behalf of the men and women of the broader intelligence community, the United States government, and as a shipmate, Mike, I just want to say thanks. Fair winds and following seas, as we say in the Navy. And all the best. And most importantly, thank you for a job well done. Thanks. Now, remember, Arrow Mike Rogers, who is um, giving the applause there, the commendation to Mike Flynn on his retirement, was the same Admiral Mike Rogers who warned Donald J. Trump before he took office, that Trump Tower, his office in Trump Tower is wiretapped. Remember that? And Trump moved his whole operation to New Jersey the next day. All right, Tracy Beans continues. She says, many people don't know that General Flynn consulted for several 2016 candidates. In February 2016, he became a foreign policy advisor to President Trump. He continued to serve in this role until it was announced he would be incoming President Trump's selection as National Security Advisor. July 31st, 2016, the FBI, under Comey, McCabe, Priestap, and Strzok, opened... The Crossfire Hurricane investigation assumed to concern FARA, F-A-R-A, Foreign Agent Registration Act, to determine whether individuals associated with the Trump campaign are sitting of and or coordinating activities with the government of Russia. Proven lies, and they already knew they were lies. Now, she says, this thread will not be a dissertation on the entirety 
of Spygate, we'd be here for years and years. But the FBI said that the basis for opening Crossfire Hurricane investigation was a tip from Andrew Downer, who recalled a month's prior conversation with George Papadopoulos. Downer said that Papadopoulos had said something that he heard from someone else that Russia had damaging information about Hillary Clinton. Sound familiar? And again, another screenshot from the lawsuit. She says, one of the only real qualms I had about this filing is that they say that the emails that WikiLeaks released from the DNC were hacked. I beg to differ. However, the FBI opened one of the most corrupt investigations in its history based on hearsay that someone heard at a bar. And then she says, we can't forget the infamous August 15th, 2016 insurance policy text messages between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. And here's a screenshot. Peter Strzok to Lisa Page, August 15, 2016, saying, I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, that there's no way he gets elected about Trump, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before you're 40. And then from the lawsuit, on or about August 15th, 2016, Strzok and Page exchanged text messages about then-Republican presidential candidate Donald J. Trump explicitly stating that they needed to have an insurance policy in case he won the election. See Exhibit B. Tracy Beans says, on August 16th, 2016, the FBI opened their investigation into General Flynn as a subpart of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. They called it Crossfire Razor, and it was intended to determine if General Flynn knowingly or unknowingly was involved in activity on behalf of the Russian Federation, which could be a crime of to harm national security. And so she links to Exhibit C from the, uh, from the lawsuit with an explanation of the FBI opening that case. She says, Crossfire Razor had no legitimate investigative predicate and was politically and maliciously initiated as part of the so-called insurance policy referenced above. As part of this, they tried to get FISA warrants from the FISA court. But according to the inspector general, the FBI was originally told they didn't have probable cause for these warrants. Now, that's very unusual. I'll just throw in here because the FISA court usually just kind of rubber stamps what the FBI asks them for. But I digress. Tracy Beans says, well, what do you do when you don't have probable cause? You invent some probable cause. Enter one, Christopher Steele. September 2016, the FBI and DOJ received info from Steele 
when the info came in, the FBI knew that Christopher Steele had been paid by the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign to perform opposition research to get connections between Trump and Russia. Fun fact. Christopher Steele was also being paid by the FBI. Amazing how all that works. Now, the FBI didn't tell the FISA court that the evidence it has obtained was tainted opposition research that wasn't true. Instead, the FBI lied to the FISA court to get the most intrusive warrant known to man to spy on the Trump campaign. The FBI didn't tell the FISA court that the primary subsource for the information contradicted the information attributed to him. They lied to abuse the rights of American citizens, the president, and his national security advisor. No, this isn't just crazy conspiracy theorists going on again. The DOJ Inspector General report from December 2019, established numerous material failures by the FBI to follow the all-important Woods procedures and other policies in obtaining the warrants. The FBI had no supporting documentation. The FBI misrepresented what the documentation stated, or the supporting documents showed that the assertion made in the application was incorrect. Now, if you are the government trying to defend against Flynn's lawsuit in court, your argument has to be the inspector general doesn't know what he's doing. This is a lie. Yeah, good luck with that. Without the FISA warrants, the entire Crossfire Hurricane case would have never happened. They lied to get the warrants. They lied to get the renewals. That is a proven fact at this point. So here are the predicates the FBI used to open the investigation into General Flynn. Number one, his position as an advisor to presidential candidate Donald J. Trump. Number two, open source reporting on his ties to, quote, various state-affiliated entities of the Russian Federation, unquote. Number three, the fact that he traveled to Moscow where he famously sat at a table with Putin. And number four, He had a top-secret security clearance. Now it says TS slash SCI, which stands for Top Secret Sensitive Compartmented Information Clearance. Wow, she says, this is America. Now, these purported justifications, taken alone or combined, reveal the baseless and malicious nature of the investigation and were in violation of the FBI's policies, which, as Merrick Garland keeps telling you as they wage political war, those FBI policies prohibit investigation to monitor First Amendment-protected activities. Yeah, he, he keeps on lying to you, doesn't he? Tracy Beans says they can't investigate him just because he's an advisor to a presidential candidate. That isn't a proper justification to investigate him as a Russian spy. He's one of the nation's greatest intelligence officers, 
This is patently ridiculous, and they knew it. Speaking at events when retired and receiving fees for doing so is commonplace. The left likes to attack General Flynn for the RT gala he spoke at, but they declined to mention that Adam Schiff consistently appeared on RT over the years. RT is a um, a news concern out of Russia. She says, but there's more on this as well. Don't go anywhere. Here's more. She says, here is where the heads explode. The FBI was fully aware. General Flynn briefed U.S. government both before and after the RT trip. He acted as an information-gathering agent for the U.S. when he made it, not against the U.S. Next time someone sends you that picture of him sitting at a table with Putin and calls him a traitor, make sure you inform them that he was there on our behalf. And she's got a screenshot from the lawsuit which says, General Flynn's attendance of the RT gala in Russia is even less of a basis for investigation than already discussed, as the FBI was fully aware yet conscientiously omitted from its closing memo. General Flynn briefed the U.S. government before and after the RT trip. Therefore, General Flynn was acting as an information-gathering agent for the United States, not for Russia. The inclusion of this trip twice as justification for investigating General Flynn as a Russian spy was facially incredible. Making it even more incredible is the fact known to the FBI that Vladimir Putin did not actually sit with General Flynn for an extended period of time, instead appearing briefly to address the attendees, posing for photos, and then leaving. Tracy Beans continues, and the fact that General Flynn had this top-secret clearance meant that he had been thoroughly vetted just months before the FBI started wondering if he might possibly be a Russian spy. It's absurd. It's malicious. Okay, now this is great. Quote. Here's a quote from the next screenshot of the lawsuit. It would require the FBI to fantasize that a three-star general had betrayed his country on the basis of a few thousand dollars in speaking fees, a bare fraction of what generals make on the speaking circuit, unquote. Understand now, this is what the FBI used to open the investigation. We have the documents. We know. That is what makes this case so much different than many cases. Let's put all reality aside and pretend the FBI did nothing wrong in opening the investigation. They still wrongfully and maliciously kept it going after it had been completed and General Flynn was cleared. It was supposed to be closed December of 2016 because they found nothing. They didn't even need to interview him. There was nothing. How do we know this? Because we have the documents. For some reason, 
They never closed the investigation. They would later refer to incompetence as a stroke of luck. So Flynn called Kislyak as part of his duties on the transition team. The FBI had transcripts of those calls. They knew the calls were legitimate and proper between General Flynn and Russian Ambassador Kislyak. Knowing that the CIA investigation was slated to be closed, they started considering opening a new criminal investigation based on the Logan Act. DOJ poo-pooed that idea and instead decided to keep the CIA investigation open based solely on the calls to Russian Ambassador Kislyak. They knew they had nothing. They knew that the statements he made to Kislyak had nothing to do with sanctions and everything to do with Russian diplomats that Obama had kicked out of the country. They knew this because they had the transcripts of the calls. They knew this and they lied. The FBI knew that General Flynn did not discuss sanctions on the call with Ambassador Kislyak, they had the transcripts. The transcripts were later released. No matter what you say, no matter how people try to spin that call, etc., the transcript of the calls proves that General Flynn did not discuss sanctions with the Russian ambassador, period. End of story. Now, Barack Obama warned Trump, not to appoint Mike Flynn. More on that in just a moment. Had you heard that AT&T lost billions in the stock market recently? Gee, I wonder if it's because their satellite outfit, DirecTV, dropped Newsmax recently. I wonder if patriotic Americans are pushing back. Well, I, I can't tell you what... Uh, cable channel or satellite outfit to watch cable TV on. But I can sure tell you who to go to if you want to drop AT&T for your cell coverage. For that matter, if you want to drop any of the big liberal cell carriers for your cell coverage and go to something a little bit more American. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use, and they have a coverage guarantee for you, so you're covered. Patriot Mobile has plans fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran heroes and our first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. I know I'm saving a lot of money with Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. 
Switching is easy. Why not just do what I did? Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT and make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation from Patriot Mobile. Now, you know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, Inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, two words, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means they're an asset, commodity, or currency that maintains their value without depreciating over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Andrew has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring, pre- to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Now, we found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from General Mike Flynn. Oh, what a day to be talking about that. We're so glad we did, too. Hey, by the way, when you contact Beverly Hills Precious Metals, ask them about the new Mike Flynn silver coin, selling like hotcakes. Andrew Sorcini is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew and his team, go to bh-pm.com. That stands for Beverly Hills and Precious Metals bh-pm.com. If you can't remember that, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. No matter what search engine you use, the first thing that comes up will be Andrew's website when you Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Let them know Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you in your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments bh-pm.com or Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Now, I've been talking for quite a while about how the world is going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, and sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. Now, we all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic, while so many little guys... Small business owners, regular people, were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off, while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? What can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally... We can shop factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com. It's helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created with regular folks like you and me in mind. 
One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of Patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow Patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with the woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. And now an even more exciting addition is fresh American-raised beef. Raised in the mountains of Montana near Yellowstone, this beef is known as never, ever, never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics or hormones or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When they ask how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, picking up where we left off, this huge lawsuit, Mike Flynn against U.S. government. There's so much more than you've ever heard. They treated him so much worse than you've heard. The great Tracy Beans over to UncoveredDC.com. Tracy Beans, uh, Beans is spelled B-E-A-N-Z at UncoveredDC.com. And here is more. She said, Obama warned Trump not to appoint Flynn. The Obama White House held a special contempt for him. Top brass at the FBI also had it out for Mike Flynn. A decorated CIA agent at the FBI had filed an EEOC complaint against Andrew McCabe. Now, I brought this up in my interview with General Flynn, by the way, which was episode 342. You want to go back and listen to it if you haven't already. A decorated CIA agent at the FBI had filed an EEOC complaint against Andrew McCabe. Flynn, who had worked with the agent, wrote a letter voicing for her in 2014 and volunteered to be a witness in her case. I know who this is, but her name is omitted from the filing. I'm unsure why. Well, I didn't omit her name when I was talking about her. But anyway, here is the, the screenshot. From the uh, lawsuit. On January 4th, 2017, FBI Deputy Assistant Director Strzok urgently reached out to another FBI agent demanding to know if the Crossfire Razor investigation had been closed as previously intended and, if not, ordering that it remain open. It had not been closed. Relieved, Strzok immediately relayed the news to Lisa Page, special counsel to FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, remarking that, quote, our utter incompetence actually helps us, unquote, 
and calling it a serendipitously good development. And they've got the exhibit of the text attached to the website. It says the reason that Strzok was so relieved at the serendipitous incompetence is that he knew there was no legitimate ground for opening another investigation into General Flynn. The FBI cannot simply investigate an incoming NSA because he communicated with a foreign leader. It is common during the transition to a new administration. Moreover, Strzok, McCabe, the FBI, and the Executive Office of the President were fully aware that Flynn's statements to Kislyak were perfectly appropriate diplomatic talks. So, Tracy Beans continues, They all knew that General Flynn would be able to piece apart and destroy their attempt at taking President Trump out using the intelligence apparatus. So for this and other reasons, they needed him to be gone. She has another screenshot about which she says, This was the meeting where the infamous CYA email was sent stating that, quote, everything was done by the book, unquote, and here is where it starts getting really bad. Okay, screenshot. Withholding information about the crossfire hurricane investigation from the incoming administration was a paramount goal, as documented by Susan Rice in her famous CYA memo about this meeting, which she wrote to herself on January 20th, 2017, quote, President Obama said he wants to be sure that as we engage with the incoming team, We are mindful to ascertain if there is any reason that we cannot share information fully as it relates to Russia, unquote. Immediately after that meeting, which was a couple of weeks earlier, President Obama asked that Sally Yates and James Comey stay back for a private meeting in which Obama and Comey spoke knowingly about the Flynn-Kislyak calls, discussed the Logan Act, and indicated the president's special interest in General Flynn. Oh, my goodness. Yes, she's right. This is where it starts getting really bad. They planned a perjury trap for General Flynn. We know they planned a perjury trap for a few reasons. We have the documents, and James Comey told us. Here's a screenshot from the lawsuit. Defendant plans perjury trap for General Flynn. Between the Oval Office meeting on January 5th, 2017, and, and, and that meeting is key. That meeting is key. Two weeks and a day before Trump takes office. Big Oval Office meeting there with Obama and several other people. Between the Oval Office meeting on January 5th, 2017, and January 24th, 2017, Comey and Yates met to discuss the General Flynn matter, and thereafter Comey and McCabe discussed and developed a specific plan to interview Flynn about alleged Russian influence. On or about January 10th, 2017, another Oval Office meeting took place involving a discussion of the Crossfire Razor investigation and General Flynn. According to notes taken by Strzok, during this meeting, the group agreed that General Flynn's actions were legit a common shorthand for legitimate. Ah, but they're going after him anyway, huh? Tracy Beans says, 
They had another Oval Office meeting on January 10th, 2017, where the group agreed that Flynn's actions on the call were legit. Then they committed a felony and leaked details about the calls to the Washington Post. The leaks were real. The news was fake. Remember that? Quote from Trump, the leaks are real, the news is fake. Tracy Beans continues, this is treasonous behavior. Okay? So, here, from the lawsuit, the screenshot from the lawsuit says, on or about January 10th, 2017, another Oval Office meeting took place involving a discussion of the Crossfire Razor investigation and General Flynn. According to notes taken by Strzok during this meeting, the group agreed that General Flynn's actions were legit, a common shorthand for legitimate, at or around that time, an unnamed senior U.S. government official feloniously leaked details about General Flynn's phone call with Kislyak to the Washington Post, which published about it on January 12, 2017, in a follow-up piece. The Washington Post reported that nine officials who were in senior positions at multiple agencies spoke anonymously and illegally about the Kislyak calls Information about the calls was also leaked to the New York Times, whose reporting confirmed that the FBI and the Obama administration were aware at the time of the legitimate nature of the communications. Obama officials asked the FBI if a quid pro quo had been discussed on the call, and the answer came back no, according to one of the officials who, like others, asked not to be named discussing delicate communications. The topic of sanctions came up, they were told, There was no deal. Tracy Beans continues. Then Biden kept on the Logan Act as a possibility. Utterly absurd. They leaked to the press that they were considering the Logan Act. The FBI later used the leaks and the media as justification for not putting the White House or DOJ on notice before they ambushed him with agents for the interview that would lead to the 1001 charge. Comey didn't want the Trump administration to know what was actually said on the calls. If he did, there never would have been any resignation. Looking back now, I'm not sure what Pence would have said. Comey's reasons for withholding the transcript changed several times. Okay, let's take a look at this screenshot from the lawsuit. says FBI Director Comey decided that the FBI would not notify the incoming Trump administration of the actual contents of the Flynn-Kislyak communications despite possessing the transcripts. Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates and other senior DOJ officials, however, were of the opposite opinion and believed that the incoming administration should be notified. Comey's reasoning 
for not disclosing the information to the Trump administration changed several times to the chagrin of DOJ leadership. The Deputy Attorney General, Director of National Intelligence, and Director of the CIA all agreed that the FBI should notify the Trump administration of what had actually been said on the calls. Wait, even Brennan said you should let Trump know? Wow. So Tracy Bean says, and it wasn't without debate, according to documents, Yates and other DOJ officials wanted the transcripts shared. So did the Deputy Attorney General, the Director of National Intelligence, even the CIA, but Comey went it alone. Their sole goal was to ambush Flynn and try to get him to, quote, lie, unquote, about something. It could be anything, but they needed something. They should have followed procedures, tell him the purpose, inform him why he was being interviewed. Instead, they kept it from him, and McCabe dissuaded him from having counsel present. And more from the, the lawsuit. Almost everything she says uh, has a connection to a screenshot from the lawsuit. She said, they went there intending to get General Flynn to lie. And they left writing down that he didn't lie about anything. Not included in the suit is how Pienka used a briefing to get a baseline for Flynn. Yates called Comey the day of this interview to demand that they let the Trump administration know the contents of the calls, but it was too late as Strzok and Pienka were already there. Yates knew this was a losing move. She knew what would happen, and it wasn't worth the risk to her. Again, screenshot from the lawsuit. By apparent happenstance, Sally Yates attempted to contact Comey that same day, January 24, 2017, to demand that the FBI notify the White House of the Kislyak communications. Perhaps unsurprisingly, she was unable to get through. Comey waited until Strzok and Pienka were already en route to the White House before calling Yates back to tell her that it was too late, advising her that FBI agents were already on their way to interview General Flynn. Yates was flabbergasted and dumbfounded by Comey's actions. Now, remember, she's a partisan Democrat, but she's still flabbergasted and dumbfounded by Comey's actions. And other DOJ leadership hit the roof upon hearing of this development, as any interview of General Flynn should have been coordinated with at least the DOJ and the White House Counsel's Office. Comey had determined that the FBI would interview General Flynn without notifying anyone at either the DOJ or the White House Counsel's Office. During a December 2018 publicly televised interview with MSNBC and NBC News analyst Nicole Wallace, Comey glibly admitted Indeed, bragged that sending FBI agents to the White House to interrogate a senior official without notice was something he probably wouldn't have done or gotten away with in a more organized administration. Comey admitted he took an improper course of conduct 
in continuing the investigation and allowed the interview of General Flynn and that he got away with it because it was early enough in the administration that he could take advantage of. Okay, speaking of which, you remember this? You look at this White House now, and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the sit room. How did that happen? I sent them. <laughs> um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration. The FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official. You would work through the White House counsel and there'd be discussions and approvals and who would be there. And I thought it's early enough. Let's just send a couple guys over. Tracy Bean says, and no one can ever forget the way James Comey gloated about what he did. And that's what you just heard. McCabe called Flynn and downplayed any need for attorneys or formality, stating instead that it was stating instead that it was merely to put to bed the Kislyak rumors in the press, rumors his FBI had leaked in the first place. No one advised Flynn he was the subject of an investigation. They didn't give him the typical your statements may be used against you. You know, Miranda. They acted casual and friendly and tried to trap him in a lie. This was their entire goal. After the meeting was finished, even they were forced to admit that General Flynn had not lied during the interview. He told the truth. They wrote it down. Again, from the lawsuit. During this interview, FBI agents Strzok and Pienka were attempting to trap General Flynn in a misstatement or omission so that they could charge him with a false statement violation of 18 U.S. Code 1001. This malicious intent continued throughout the FBI's investigation and the subsequent investigation and prosecution by the special counsel's office. That sounds like Mueller to me. Tracy Bean says one of the key components of a 1001 charge is something called materiality. Whatever so-called lie or omission must impact an investigation for them to use this. Even if General Flynn had lied at this meeting, he didn't. The FBI had the transcripts of the call. Therefore, whatever he said could not have been material to their investigation because they had the transcripts. This was a large part of the DOJ having to dismiss this case against General Flynn. And if you thought it was bad so far, I have more coming for the but-he-pled-guilty crew. This case is a travesty. She says, following the interview, it took Strzok and Pienka three weeks to submit their notes, their 302 forms. FBI regulations require those to be submitted after five days. Despite the delay and controversy about them being edited and changed by Lisa Page, someone who was not authorized to do so, the 302s did not support the prosecution. And then in comes the special counsel. On November 30th, 2017, the special counsel 
filed a criminal information against Mike Flynn, alleging that he had intentionally omitted and denied speaking with Kislyak during the interview with Peter Strzok and Joe Pienka. That was a lie. It didn't happen. When they lied, Brandon Von Grack, U.S. Attorney for the Special Counsel's Office, knew it was a lie. They had notes taken at the White House meeting that his conversations with Kislyak were legitimate. They knew there could be no materiality, and they filed anyway. Strzok and Pienka continued prosecuting and investigating Flynn even though they had certified themselves that they didn't think he lied. Intentionality would have to be a part of it if he did lie. None of that existed. Special counsel Mueller's office willfully failed to disclose exculpatory information to General Flynn. They didn't provide the notes from Strzok and Pienka showing that the FBI believed he didn't lie. They didn't share the notes from the Oval Office and much more. The government didn't follow its Brady obligation. Oh, oh, yeah, that's not good. So the Brady rule is named after Brady versus Maryland, a 1963 federal court case. It requires prosecutors to disclose materially exculpatory evidence in the government's possession to the defense. A Brady material or evidence prosecutor is required to disclose under this rule includes any evidence favorable to the accused, evidence that goes toward negating a defendant's guilt that would reduce a defendant's potential sentence or evidence going to the credibility of a witness. If the prosecution does not disclose materially exculpatory evidence under this rule and prejudice has ensued, the evidence will be suppressed. The evidence will be suppressed regardless of whether the prosecutor knew the evidence was in his or her possession or whether or not the prosecutor intentionally or inadvertently withheld the evidence from the defense. Further, in cases subsequent to Brady, the Supreme Court has eliminated the requirement for a defendant to have requested a favorable information stating that the prosecution has a constitutional duty to disclose that is triggered by the potential impact of favorable but undisclosed evidence. And they cite a couple of cases from 1985 and 1995. So, I mean, that, you know, yeah, yay. In case you didn't know that, our judicial system bends over backwards to give a a defendant who's possibly not guilty uh, a lot of leeway. If the prosecutor has evidence that could be exculpatory, you know, that they could help you get a not guilty verdict and, and they don't give it to you, they're in a world of hurt. Well, with Mike Flynn, they hid Brady material. Tracy Beans continues. The the special counsel's office threatened his son, Michael Flynn Jr., with prosecution unless Michael Flynn pled guilty. They withheld the exculpatory information, and I'll say it, although the filing doesn't, he retained lawyers straight out of the swamp who were experts in 
FARA violations, you know, being a, an agent of a foreign government. Another piece of this that is hugely important, but we will not cover today. He had some swampy lawyers at first that apparently made life difficult for him. Tracy Beans continues, the DOJ ultimately determined that continuing the prosecution of General Flynn would not serve the interests of justice because he didn't commit any crime, and the DOJ slash FBI knew it the entire time. This is not an assumption. There are reams of documents proving it. There's another story to be told here that isn't told in General Flynn's filing filing against the government about the FARA so-called violations that really never were. Two people are still being targeted by this prosecution. They have committed no crimes. I will, I will review that at a later time. So after three long years in court, after withdrawing his guilty plea and retaining new counsel, the DOJ dismissed the prosecution of General Flynn, and everybody lived happily ever after. Wrong. And one of the most stunning things to happen in a criminal court that I have personally ever reported on, Judge Emmett Sullivan refused to approve the dismissal of prosecution. Then she says, read every word of this next screenshot. The judge's friend of the court ended up being a wildly partisan hack who had not even weeks before penned an op-ed in a newspaper about the special counsel which bled his contempt for anyone or anything in Trump world. This was the most back-asswards thing that I have ever seen, a travesty of justice. All right, here's what it says from the screenshot, from the lawsuit. U.S. District Court Judge Emmett Sullivan, however, refused to approve the DOJ's dismissal of its prosecution, necessitating an appeal to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals by General Flynn. The D.C. Circuit initially ordered Judge Sullivan to dismiss the charges and case against General Flynn in its entirety. In response, Judge Sullivan, the supposedly disinterested judge, who mused aloud about whether the Department of Justice could charge General Flynn for treason, it could not, and who stated on the record to General Flynn that, quote, arguably, you sold your country out, unquote, retained counsel himself, the judge literally becoming an interested party and petitioned for an on-bank review from the entire D.C. Circuit. After on-bank review, the D.C. Circuit remanded the case to Judge Sullivan for appropriate dispatch, who continued to drag his feet on dismissal of the case. So how was Judge Sullivan not in contempt of court at that point? But I digress. Tracy Beans continues, As the months ticked on toward the 2020 election, President Trump stepped in with something extraordinary, what they call a pardon of innocence. In my opinion, the judge was stalling, dismissing the case, 
because he was waiting for a Biden administration to step in, thereby allowing them to get, to get Flynn after all. President Trump pardoned an innocent man who the facts have shown was completely innocent and targeted by a government he pledged his life to serve. President Trump pardoned him to ensure that he wasn't a target of a rogue administration should he not win the presidency. Actually, I digress here, but President Trump pardoned him after um, they stole the election from him. So anyway, General Flynn is suing the government for a minimum of $50 million. He deserves quadruple that amount. Anytime you see someone accusing General Flynn of being a traitor, send them to this thread. The documents are all there. They can read for themselves. General Flynn was not a Russian agent. General Flynn never lied. General Flynn pled guilty because they threatened his family and withheld information that proved his innocence in contravention of the law. General Flynn is still dedicated to serve to saving this country. He is a hero. The attorneys who are arguing this case are some of the best we have. Jesse Benall, that's B-I-N-N-A-L-L, is an amazing attorney, as is Jason Greaves. They are a stellar team, and they are a few better for this case. What happened to General Flynn is an absolute travesty of justice that can never happen again, but unfortunately happens all too often. Our so-called justice system is irreparably broken. To help with legal fees for this case, go to GeneralFlynn.com. Then she says, if you appreciate our work at UncoverDC.com and would like to support us as we cover information with integrity, please feel free to do so here. And she links to UncoverDC.com. It means the difference between moving forward and closing the doors. We appreciate you. So this is just a remarkable thread. Remarkable thread. And I felt that it was my duty to provide it to you. The great Tracy Beans put in a lot of work to share with you what they really did to Mike Flynn. And I just felt like it was, it was my duty to share it with you. God bless her, and God bless General Mike Flynn. And it was, a, it was an honor to have interviewed Mike Flynn. If you haven't listened to the interview, it's episode 342, and I, I certainly hope you will. All right, let's hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Auto, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. So this is the three-parter. It starts with the great John Basham talking about how Joe Biden has announced 
that U.S. taxpayers will now be paying the pensions and welfare for the people of Ukraine. This while millions of Americans can't pay food, housing, or medical due to Biden's policies also. While thousands of Americans are homeless and on the street. Now, the response to John Basham was from a typically clueless liberal who goes by the name of Richard Haley. He says, I don't understand you extremists. You gladly accepted help when COVID relief funds were sent out. You people didn't believe in COVID, so why did you take the money? Well, probably because of the forced lockdowns, you knucklehead. But anyway, he continues, prices were up but are starting to fall. And then he says, homeliness is nothing new. I didn't see Trump do anything. Now, if he'd said homelessness is nothing new, I wouldn't have a leg to stand on. But when I saw he said homeliness is nothing new, I decided to give a response tweet to that, and that is our tweet of today. I said, I'll kindly thank you not to point out that some of us are homely. We are keenly aware of our own shortcomings. It is punishment enough that we have to deal with it in the mirrors each day. There's no need to belabor the point. A kind word goes a long day. I goofed it up. A kind word goes a long way. Good day, sir. (laughs) And that's my tweet of the day. You've been listening to episode 356 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions, email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. Well, that's the way it is. Sunday, March 5th. 2023.